At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 178 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson. With me today is uh, the guru of all things Reds Minor Leagues, who you can uh, find at the appropriately named RedsMinorLeagues.com. And, of course, he uh, you can find him at uh, every week at Red Leg Nation as well. It's our good friend, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm pretty good. How you doing, Chad? Oh, I'm doing really well. And I'm uh, glad you're able to come back on again. I'd like having you on as often as possible because, hey, we like talking about the uh, the future here because the present is uh, often painful in Cincinnati. Uh, so let's talk about the future. If, if, do you have any interest in talking about uh, th- these minor league guys? I, I mean, the, the Reds, they won today. So, I mean, we, we could always talk about how awesome they look today. They hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, you know, Joey Votto extended his hitting streak. But I am more than prepared to talk about minor league baseball for the entire podcast, if you would like. Well, you know, the last podcast, Jason Linden was here with me, and, and the Reds were scuffling a little. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a little, not depressing, but uh, we're trying to have to search for things to be excited about. Uh, now, I, won't, I won't blame Jason for that, but I'm not going to not blame Jason for that either. <laughs> so, sorry, Jason. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely blame Jason for that. But, hey, the Reds have won 7 of 11 now, and uh, like you said, uh, two wins in a row and looked really nice uh, the last couple days. Lots of home runs. So, And, yeah, that Joey Votto, he's pretty good. I, I've heard. I mean, I haven't seen him play too much over the past 7 to 10 years, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been told that he's pretty good at hitting the baseball. Yeah, you're too busy following uh what Joey Votto uh, used to be, uh, the minor leaguers. So, uh, there are a few, I think, um, storylines, a few names that a lot of people are really interested in, and I do want to touch on those, and, and I do want to get your overview of the entire Reds minor league system as you see it. But to me, and this is no surprise to anybody, but the number one guy I want to talk about is uh, this guy named Nick Senzel. I think you've heard of him. He uh, he was the Reds' number one draft pick last year, number two overall. Uh, this guy... Called up to uh, to Double A Pensacola after the All Star break, and he's not missed a beat, has he? No, he really hasn't. Uh, in fact, he's actually performed better in Double A than he than he played uh, when he was in Advanced Day in Daytona. Now, that's not terribly surprising, given that the Florida State League, where Daytona plays, is you know a very pitcher friendly league overall. But you know, Pensacola's home stadium is also very pitcher friendly now, uh, so. I guess when you see a guy who goes out and hits 331 in Pensacola, uh, slugging over 500, even even with the expectations that Nick Senzel has that he's going to be very good, it's still incredible to see a guy you know go and do that immediately, making that jump. And it's you know, we're talking 43 games now, so not and it's still small sample size, I guess, but it's not like he's doing it with smoke and mirrors. Uh, 331, 384 on base, 509 slugging, five homers. Um, 12 doubles. He's got, uh, what, 38 doubles, I think, this season combined. That's just, that's, this kid is almost ready, isn't he? I think so, and and I've said it before. I think that if, you know, push came to shove and you put him in the major leagues right now, he'd more than hold his own. 
Uh, fortunately, the Reds don't need to make such a drastic move right now. They've got time to wait. Uh, their, their current third baseman's playing fairly well right now, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he's realistically ready whenever the Reds do decide they want to bring him up. Um, I guess it's more of a question of, you know, where, where are they going to play him right now and what are they going to do with the whole Nick Senzel, A. Eugenio Suarez situation. And that is an interesting uh, question, and it's not really as urgent as some people like to make it. I know you agree with that. Uh, my feeling has always been, uh, as Calvin Coolidge once said, you know, if you have ten problems rolling down the street at you, just wait, wait. Nine of them will roll into the ditch, and you won't have to worry about it. This may be a problem that doesn't isn't a problem. But if the Reds had to make that decision, who's going to be the third baseman? Because Eugenio Suarez is having a fantastic season, his age 25 season, and playing a, a mean defensive third base, as they say as well. Uh, let's talk about the defense first. Sinzel, I don't know how much you've had a chance to see him, but uh, what you've heard from uh, scouts or people that are watching him, how is his defense coming along at third base? I've seen him quite a bit. Um, I, I believe that he is a good third baseman now, and he's going to get better. Um, you know, there, there's still some things he needs to work on, which, I mean, you can say that for just about any 22-year-old. I mean, look how far Suarez has come in the last year, year and a half uh, defensively. Uh, it's it's night and day difference, as I know that you've written about more than once. Um, but I, I think that Sinzel is going to be a guy who's going to be an above-average defensive third baseman. Um, you know, whether he's going to be as good as Suarez is right now defensively, you know, that's tough to say. I, I think that right now Suarez is probably one of the, the best defenders at third base in, in baseball. Um, so, you know, I, I guess we'll kind of see if he can overtake that, but uh, I, I don't think there's going to be any issues defensively for Nick Senzel. Well, what about, you know, I've mentioned, I mentioned a couple of times because uh, his college coach at Tennessee, uh, Senzel's college coach, suggested the Reds try him at shortstop to start his pro career. And, of course, the Reds didn't do that. And, it's understandable why not, but what about second base? Do you get the sense that he's a guy that could maybe transition to second base? I think so. Um, I Personally, I, I still think that I'd rather slide Suarez over there, just I think that, um, that the time that he spent throughout his career at shortstop, it'd be an easier transition for him uh, than for Nick Senzel, who, who, to be fair, he, he did play second base in college some, um, but I, I just think that you know Suarez probably fits a little bit better over at second base. Um, but I think that Sinzel can do it. He's 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 a very athletic kid. Um, I mean, I say kid; he's 22 years old, but um, you know, very athletic. I think that he's got the footwork. Definitely has the arm strength. His hands are are pretty good. Um, so I, I think that if the Reds do decide to make that move, that he he could do it. Uh, now I do say that I would have said the same thing about a guy like Todd Frazier. Uh, the Reds actually did try him at second base at one point, and it it simply did not work. Um, you know, and Todd was playing shortstop before that. So it, it it just seemed that he didn't quite understand the footwork that he needed to have on that side of the bag. Um, and so while in theory, you know, these guys are athletic enough and have all the right tools to make that transition, it isn't it isn't always just that easy for everybody. Um, Todd was never able to make that transition and eventually had to move and play some left field before moving back to third base when, it, when a spot opened up uh, after Scott Rowland got injured and he took over, um, what was that, 2011? 2012? I'm old. I keep forgetting things now. Oh, I can't remember that far ago. Goodness <laughs> gracious, Doug. I'm, I'm talking about the future, man. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I got a little carried away there. You did. Uh, Sinzel, let's say, let's say this. Uh, he is, I, mean, I think you're right that he's probably, he could hold his own. Uh, it's probably good the Reds don't have to rush him right now, although if they if they needed to, they were in a pennant race, they felt like they needed his bat, they could. But I, I don't think there's no question he'll be ready at some point next year. Let's just suppose that his 
career arc goes the way we hope it goes. He continues to hit. He continues to uh, knock on the door of the big leagues. And so sometime next year, we got the Reds have to have him up. Can you think of a better problem to have than two guys like Senzel and Suarez? One of them's got to move to second base, uh, so one of them's going to have an outstanding bat for a second baseman. And uh, that, that just, you know... We talk about Peraza and Dilson Herrera, and, of course, Scooter Jeanette hit a grand slam today, his 19th home run. But, man, those those two names, two young kids, 22 and 25, as, as half of your infield, how exciting is that? Well, I, I'm excited about it. I can tell that you're pretty excited about it. Oh, I'm excited, well, Doug. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, with the – just what Suarez has done um, over the over the past year and a half, both offensively and defensively, uh, if – if those are true steps forward that he's taken, I mean, he, he's a legitimate, you know, guy that you can build your team around. Um, and, you know, it's not like Nick Senzel isn't universally praised as one of the best prospects in baseball. I think that every team would also look forward to building their team around a guy like Senzel. So if you would have two of those guys to, you know, throw in with that Joey Votto guy, I'm not sure if anybody's ever heard of him. Uh, you know, that's a, it's a very nice start for a core over the next couple of years. Well, and you talk about a core, it's a little bit of a different core than what we've seen from the Reds in this sense. Uh, Suarez is on base percentages, is, I think, 361 right now. Uh, I looked at it earlier today. Senzel, his career minor league uh, on base percentage is 385. Um, you've got Joey Votto, as you said, and then Jesse Winker, who led off today in the big leagues and is also an on-base guy. Those are four guys that have a real clue at the plate um, and should be able to get on base, that should be as exciting as anything else that uh, that Reds fans are anticipating or looking forward to in the next few years. Some guys that hey, can actually get on base, and uh, and three of them, not, counting, you know, Votto, not that Votto is an old man, but he is the old man on this team, but three of them, young guys that the Reds should expect to be around for a while. That, that seems like a little bit of a, uh, a change over what we've seen, don't, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think that over the past couple of years, we've seen more, uh, you know, outside of Joey Votto, at least, guys that are, you know, power hitters, so to speak, but don't really have that great of uh, plate discipline, um, you know, and all of these guys have shown it in the past. And then this year, Suarez has taken that big step forward, almost doubling his walk rate that he's had in past seasons. And so now even he's getting on base at a very high clip. Uh, so... You know, if the Reds can find a way to balance their lineup with, you know, some guys that get on base a lot and mix in, you know, maybe, you know, an Adam Duvall type guy who, you know, is going to hit you 30 home runs, yeah. but maybe not provide the on base percentage. It, it's more of a well rounded lineup than we've seen in the past. It really is, and I, I almost salivate at the idea of Joey Votto, the Reds being able to put two of uh, Suarez, Senzel, and Winker ahead of him. I, uh, I, you know, I love Billy Hamilton, but you need to be betting him ninth. Um, and uh, but having two of those three guys hitting in front of Votto, that's just that's a recipe for runs, runs, runs. Um, so so Senzel's done nothing to diminish his prospect status. Uh, as was, I guess is what I'm asking. The, it's been about a year, a little over a year now, year and a uh, year and a month or so since he was drafted. Yeah, no, he's he's been everything that uh, I've expected out of him. Um, I mean, there, there's there's not a weakness in his game that I've seen. Um, I, I just think that he can do everything very well. Um, you know, nothing really is off the charts good. Uh, you know, he doesn't have, you know, 40 home run power, so to say. But uh, everything that he does is above average. And, I mean, he, he's just – he doesn't seem like he's got a weakness. And that, that's a very good ball player to have on your team. Well, let's uh, move on from last year's number one draft pick to this year's. Hunter Green, uh, number two overall. Uh, 
Hunter Green, of course, the flame-throwing right-handed high school high school just turned 18, I believe, earlier this week or, or maybe late last week. Uh, he made his professional debut, and he didn't throw any fastballs over 100 miles an hour in his debut. Is is Hunter Green a bust already? Um, You know, he, he only went one for four as a hitter, and he didn't throw any pitches, so um, yes, no. <laughs> um, and then that's the thing, Chad, is, you know, he's not pitching yet, and I, I think that um, you know, some of the some of the readers over at my site are getting a little impatient, so to speak. Um, they they don't really like how this thing has played out. Um, you know, they they expected him to come out and start playing right away, like some of the other draft picks did. Um, but you know, it, he just turned 18 years old last week. You know, it, nothing that he does this year, short of being injured, is going to change anything for his long term development. Um, you know, he he looked solid at the plate. Um, Two nights ago, he he didn't play last night, which I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit surprised by. I expected him to get uh, at least a, a couple of starts at DH before get, being given a day off after not playing for so long. Uh, but you know, he came up in his fourth at bat of the game and he tripled in two runs. Now I'm not sure where the center fielder was playing on that on that ball. It, it didn't seem like uh, he was playing him, you know, remotely close to where he should have been. The ball landed over his head and. Uh, yeah, rolled for a while, him, yeah. and yeah, so I, I'm not sure what was going on there, but um, you know, with with Hunter Green, I, I think that it's going to be real interesting to see how the Reds play this. They clearly prefer him as a pitcher. They took him as a pitcher. Um, you know, they've pretty much spoken about him as a pitcher, even though they mentioned, oh, he's going to DH uh, some of the time. But what the Reds want to do, it would seem, is to try and find ways to get an ad- an advantage over other teams. Uh, as a small market team, you kind of have to do that. You've got to be better than other teams in some places. And I, I think that Hunter Green's a really interesting case, given that you know a lot of teams thought that he was a first-round pick as a shortstop. He just happened to be a much better pitcher. Um, and so if you can get a guy who can pitch and you know also be used as maybe a pinch hitter two or three times a week and hit well for himself while he's on the mound, that's going to bring incredible value to a pitcher. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to a guy like Micah Owings, who wasn't a great pitcher, but he's a very good hitter for a pitcher. Um, you know, Micah Owings was as valuable as a hitter as he was as a pitcher. He was about a one-win hitter because he was being compared to other pitchers, and other pitchers can't hit. So the bar is pretty low for a good-hitting pitcher. So if you can actually find a pitcher that really can hit, uh, there's a lot of value to be had there. Um, and the Reds giving Hunter Green the chance to hit and, you know, not wait until he reaches double-A and hasn't seen a breaking ball in what three or four years, um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons a lot of pitchers don't hit is because they don't face that kind of pitching for a long period of time after the draft. You know, they they lose that ability that maybe they would have had if they faced you know three hundred pitches throughout their throughout each season uh, working their way up. Um, if Hunter Green can develop a little bit as a hitter uh, when he does reach the major leagues as a pitcher, you know, there, there's a lot of value that could be had there on top of what he can do on the mound, um, and I, I think that the Reds are. I mean, they're doing what I would do personally in in this situation. You know, try and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, if he if he doesn't develop as a hitter, you know, unless he gets hurt for some reason while hitting or running the bases, there's not much loss there. You, you didn't really lose anything. But if it works out for you, you know, there there's a lot of of good things that can happen because of that. Well, and that's a very a good point, an interesting point. 
and uh, you know it's getting a little creative and trying to get some advantages on the margins, which I, I think the Reds have to be looking to do that. Here's why well, I don't have any problem whatsoever with the Reds' approach to Hunter Green right now, and that's not to say they won't screw it up at some point, but but at this point, he just turned 18. Almost every kid his age is just now starting their senior year of high school, uh, especially these elite athletes who, uh, you know, if, 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 you'll, if you'll look at their birth dates, most of them are, are in high school now. Uh, most of the guys that get drafted next year out of high school are going to be the same age as Hunter Green. Kid's young. He's very young. Uh, was 17 years old when drafted. You know, what's the rush, number one? Number two, how the Reds should be looking for ways that they can develop him as a hitter and as a pitcher. There's no reason to close off either of those at this point. Maybe it's just because you get a good uh a good hitting pitcher someday. That's that's the that's the ideal outcome, I think. That he becomes an ace like they hope, but he's also uh, you know the best hitting pitcher in the league and provides extra value that way. But uh I like the idea of what if you know what if he doesn't develop as a pitcher? What if he what if he gets hurt? You're still developing him as a hitter and you can still get value out of that pick. I think this the way they're approaching it right now leaves open a wide range of possibilities as to what Hunter Green's career path, his career arc could be. It's not closing off any of them. And Hunter Green is going to pitch for the Reds. He's going to pitch in the, well, for the, in the Reds minor leagues. I'm not going to say he's going to pitch for the Reds. I hope he certainly will someday. But he's going to pitch, and he's going to pitch at some point soon. He's so young, I, I don't. Uh, understand getting uh, frantic about the fact that they're starting him out here as a designated hitter. I just, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I don't see a reason to uh, to criticize. There's plenty of ways you can criticize the Reds. This doesn't seem like a, a valid one to me. I, I'm with you. I think that it's just a matter of you know there was a lot of hype surrounding Hunter Green, and people want to see you know they, they just want to see him out there. They want to see what he can do. They, they've heard all of the stuff, um, you know, and. and the fact that he just hasn't been out there and pitched yet, I, I think that people are just impatient. Uh, I, that's, I think that's as realistic as I can be with it. Sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, he, he's going to take them out in 17 days. Um, and so if he stays on a normal schedule, that'll give him three starts this season if, if Billings doesn't make the playoffs. If they do, he'll probably get four or more. Um, but, you know, is there really a big difference if he gets three starts this year, if he would have gotten seven if he started pitching a couple weeks ago? No, not really. Unless he got hurt in one of those other starts that he didn't get, there is no difference whatsoever. You know, he's still going to go pitch in Instructional League in Goodyear uh, in, in October when Instructional League starts. There really was no change. So it, it is just a matter of people being impatient and wanting to go out there and see him take the mound. I hope that in a, a year we can look back at uh, what's happened in Green's career thus far and we can be as optimistic or as positive about it as we are about Senzel, you know, a year or so after the draft. Um, he's not going to be in the same position as Senzel because he's a lot younger, but um, it, it's going to be exciting to watch, just like it's been exciting to watch Senzel develop. This is a guy that's going to be on everybody's radar. It's kind of like it uh, was with Homer Bailey back in the day. And so it's, he's, he's going to have some eyeballs on him. The Reds don't need to push him. The Reds don't need to just be patient with the kid. And, and I would encourage fans to do the same. Um Okay, well, you know, the other thing that I think is on... Well, before I get to something that everybody keeps asking about, I do want to ask you about this young man, uh, Jose Siri, uh, in Dayton. Um, this guy's had a uh, a little bit of a breakout 
breakout year for him. Um, but the the big hitting streak here is what everyone wants to talk about. What what can you tell us about this guy? You know, Jose Siri, he's probably been the toolsiest player in the system probably for the past two years. Um, you know, last year he really struggled when he was sit to Dayton. Uh, he got to Dayton last year in April, and he hit 145 uh, over 27 games before they sent him back to Arizona. Um, you know, he had two walks and 34 strikeouts. He was just... To be honest, he, he was overmatched. He swung at everything thrown anywhere near home plate. Um, he Very aggressive hitter, had no idea how to read anything but a fastball. Um, then they sent him to Billings when that season opened in, in June. And, I mean, he was a different guy, sort of. He hit 320. He slugged 560. But he had eight walks and 66 strikeouts. The pitching just wasn't as good there, and so he was able to take advantage of mistakes. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that he did improve a little bit. Um, in, in his pitch recognition skills. I mean, you don't just hit 320 by pure luck, usually. Um, but, you know, this year, he's went to Dayton, and I mean, he's been a completely different guy. Uh, he's hitting 295 right now. He's slugging 524, and Dayton does not play in a, in a hitter-friendly league. Now, their ballpark is a little hitter-friendly compared to the rest of the league, but overall, it, it's not a hitter-friendly ballpark and league. Um the guy does everything well except for pretty much read a slider. I, th- I think that's the, the one weakness in his game right now is he still struggles with sliders at times. Um, and, and you'll see that in, in his strikeout-to-walk ratio. Right now he's got 25 walks and 106 strikeouts. Now, I, I do think that when you watch him at the plate, he looks like he's got more patience than his strikeout-to-walk ratio would suggest. Um, he's very aggressive on fastballs, um, but he, he understands when the fastball can be hit or not. Doesn't always hit it, but he doesn't swing at fastballs outside of the strike zone too often. And when he does, they're generally fastballs up that I've seen him hit very well. Um, you know, I've, I've seen him, you know, hold back on curveballs. I've seen him hold back on changeups. It's really just the slider at this point. Um, and I, I think that he's made very good, true progress in reading pitches out of the pitcher's hand. Um, hopefully, he can continue doing that. Um, now, with that said, the rest of the things of his game or I guess the rest of the side of his game, it's incredible. The guy, I mean, he's not Billy Hamilton fast, but he's probably as close to it as anybody in the organization is. Uh, you know, he can play very, very good center field. He just glides out in center field, a very good defender. Um, doesn't have the best arm in the system, but it's probably pretty close. Uh, definitely has an above-average arm. You know, not that I think he's going to wind up in right field, but it would play very well in right field if he did have to go over there at some point in his career. Um you know, big-time power. He's got 21 doubles right now, eight triples, 19 home runs for Dayton. Um, and I, I, I think that he's still got plenty more power in the tank if he continues to develop. Um, you know, he, he was named the fastest base runner in the, in the, in the Midwest League by the managers uh, in, in the league, according to Baseball America, who pulled all of the managers last month. He's got 34 steals already this season. Um, you know, just incredibly talented athletic tons of tools there's just some, there's a little bit of risk there because you know he, he does struggle uh with with the slider and i, I think that you know he's going to be one of those guys that you kind of want to watch you know the strikeout to walk ratio with each new level that he goes to because of that um as, as a center fielder he's got some leeway in terms of how much he does need to hit uh you know he's not gonna have to hit as much as you know a corner outfielder or a first baseman would because he's gonna provide way more defensive value uh, but there there are limits on, you know, the, the strikeout-to-walk ratio and, you know, how that's going to translate to the major leagues. But where he's currently at, 
Adam Duvall gets away with it in the major leagues. So as long as he can keep it where it's at right now and doesn't devolve from where it is, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be a big league center fielder. Interesting. Um, his hitting streak, the last game, uh, his last at bat, I, I saw a video, you know, of of the of the pitcher and uh, maybe it's a GIF and uh, saw some people upset about it. Uh, was that garbage the way his uh, hitting streak ended? Now I'll I'll be honest, Chad. I was at the game before, and I was at that game. Uh, the game before was the game that Anthony Discofani started in Dayton and just absolutely got lit up, left the game with an injury. Um, now all of that started that night. Um, in that game, one of the opponents, uh, outfielders, hit three home runs in his first three at bats. When he came up to the four, or for his fourth at bat, the Dragons hit him with the first pitch in the back, and Great Lakes was very upset about that. And I, I think that they were going to hit Jose Siri in his next at bat, which would have ended his hitting streak at 38 games. But Jose Siri came up with the bases loaded his next at bat, and while they were leading 15 to nothing. So, you know, you would understand if they decided to hit him anyways and give up the run, because at that point, what does that run really matter? Uh, their starting pitcher still had a uh, shutout going, so I, I think they decided to pitch to him, and Siri doubled off the wall and drove in all three runs. So I expected it to happen the first at-bat the next day. Well, they didn't. And they didn't do it in the second at-bat, and they didn't do it in the third at-bat. Uh, Jose Siri did not get a hit in any of those at-bats. Um, so he's coming up to the plate with a 39-game hitting streak in the eighth inning. And the first pitch, they threw behind him. Okay, you gave it a shot, you missed. So I'm like, okay, well, they'll, they'll pitch to him. Well, they threw a slider the next, next pitch, and it missed by two feet, but it missed inside, and Jose Siri tried to bunt at it, uh, but he missed. The rest of the at-bat, the catcher set up in the opposing batter's box. Now, to be fair, Jose Siri did get pitches to hit in that at-bat, they were all sliders, and the pitcher just missed. I mean, he flat out missed badly, and the, the ball ran over the plate. Um, but the final two pitches of the at-bat, they were nowhere near the strike zone. Um, the, the last one bounced in front of the plate and about two feet wide of the plate. Um, I, I, I want to say it was Bush League by the way they treated it at the end. Um, you know, I, I think that you can look back on it in a couple of years, and those guys will probably think, you know, maybe they should have handled it differently. But I understand the way they did it, too. Now, Jose Siri did have three chances earlier in the game to get his hit streak extended, and he, and he, he didn't. They, they, they gave him those opportunities, and they realistically didn't have to. Um, so I can kind of see where it goes both ways. I, I don't like how they handled it at the, the very end there. Um, but, again, I, I do understand where they were coming from with it. All right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, one other question because this is a just a quick one. You've uh, you've done a little bit more research than uh, the rest of us on this guy Hendrick Clementina, I think that's how it's pronounced. The Reds traded uh, Tony Singrani for him and for uh, Scott Van Slyke, who was uh, designated for assignment, I think, after uh, eleven games or eleven at bats. Uh, what do you know, just briefly, about uh, I guess I presume Clementina is how it's pronounced. That's that's how everybody else is saying it. So I'm going to assume that the uh, announcers for the games that I've watched have also talked to him, and that is how it's pronounced. So if they're getting it wrong, or if you're getting it wrong, so are they. So I don't blame anybody for for getting his name incorrect if that is indeed incorrect. Um, when when they traded for him, I went back and watched some video of him, and 
I, I don't want to say his bat slow because it's not. Uh, he, his bat speed just doesn't stand out. Um, I, I think that he's more a guy who gets his power from his strength than he does from his bat speed. Um, but everybody that I've talked to pretty much says that he's an offensive first catcher right now. Um, it Depending on who you ask, some believe that he has a chance to remain at catcher. Some, or they, they don't think he has a very good chance to remain there. And if he doesn't, you know, the big question is, is that is that back going to play anywhere else that he can realistically play defensively? Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lottery card or a lottery ticket with him. Um, if, if he can remain at catcher and that power plays, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be a good thing for a catcher. Um, but, you know, he's, he's pretty far away right now, and defensively he's got a lot of work to do um, pretty much across the board. Um, you know, he's he's still a young guy. He's 20 years old, but, um, you know, he, he's definitely behind a lot of guys at the same age defensively. So the, the Reds are they're taking a little bit of a risk there, but I, at the same time, you know, I, I don't think they're going to bring back Tony Singrani after the year anyways. So the fact that they were able to get somebody who has some upside, I, I think that that was a very good play for them, even though they did have to take on uh, Scott Van Slyke in return to kind of balance out the money. Yeah, like, like you say, lottery ticket, but works good. If not, uh, Singrani wasn't going to be around it for the next uh, couple of months anyway. So it is what it is. Now let's get on to the uh, what I would say is the elephant in the room with respect to the Reds' prospects. And it's the, you know, the Reds went out uh, and, and tried to accumulate as many uh, young arms as possible over the last few years as part of this rebuilding process, and people are starting to get nervous that these young pitchers aren't panning out, uh, no matter how much I want to preach patience. Uh, the, let's talk about the trio of Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, and Amir Garrett, who have all spent time in the major leagues and have all spent time at AAA Louisville. Uh, Stevenson, of course, is injured now, but he's back in the big leagues because he's, and I'll, you can speak to how he looked when he was at AAA, starting to throw a few more strikes. Uh, what what do we make about these guys after what would have should have been a year where we're we're learning a lot about what to expect from these three, and, and, and I'm not sure we've learned a whole lot at all. Um, what have you learned? Well, the first thing that we all need to learn is that Major League Baseball is hard. <laughs> baseball um, is hard, yes. Baseball is very hard. And the guys on the other team are also paid professionals who get paid very well, by the way, to get hits off of the other team's pitchers. Um, now, with that said, um, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really do wonder if Amir Garrett is completely healthy. Um, we found out that he had been hiding an injury, his hip injury, if you guys recall, um, for about a month before he told the Reds that his hip was bothering him. And that coincided very well with when he stopped pitching well in the big leagues. Uh, and he hasn't really recovered since then in terms of, you know, putting up good numbers. Even in AAA, he's, he's had some real struggles, um, both with his control. And, you know, if you think back to even to when he was pitching well the first couple of starts in the big leagues, you know, his velocity was not where it was expected to be. Um you know, last year he was throwing a few miles per hour harder on average than he is this year. So I, I really do wonder if he hasn't been dealing with that all season. And at this point, he's just trying to pitch through it because, uh, you know, I, I guess he I, I, I don't want to speak for him. And it, to be honest, I don't know if he is injured or not. But given what we do know and how his performance has been since we found out about that, it, it seems to line up very well for me. Um, you know, may, maybe he's just having those struggles where teams have quote-unquote figured something out with him and that, that's certainly possible too but given that his stuff isn't quite where it was in the past and we know that he did have an injury 
I, I really do wonder if we're not seeing a fully healthy Amir Garrett at this point. Well, it's a, he's got a 6.25 ERA in AAA, uh, 34 strikeouts, 12 walks. Um, this is not a guy who looks anything like the guy that we even saw last year. I mean, he's really not even showing the flashes that we saw from him last year. In uh, Certainly in AA where he was fantastic, but uh, when he came up to AAA last year, I guess the best-case scenario is that he is injured or that he's been injured and it's uh, got his mechanics out of whack or he's, uh, you know, if, if that's the reason, maybe we can be more confident. Um, but he just ha- looks like he's completely fallen off the cliff. I thought he'd go back down AAA and he may struggle a little bit, but he would have ultimately get things back together. That doesn't appear to be happening, does it? No, and I, you know, just looking at his stats, I mean, the the one thing that jumps out so much this year compared to the past is just the sheer amount of home runs he's given up. Um, you know, he gave up 19 home runs in 58 innings with the big league club. And he's already given up seven home runs in 40 innings in, in AAA. Uh, I mean, that that's, uh, that's a home run rate that's more than twice what it's ever been in the, in the minor leagues for him. Um, I mean, he's just, he, he's really struggling, Chad. And I, I, I can't put my finger on it other than wondering openly if he, if he's just not healthy. You know, his last, uh, last start, nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, uh, before that, uh, six and two thirds, five hits, uh, no walk. That's not bad before that one inning, seven hits and a walk, six earned runs. That's, that's, that's not a mere Garrett. That's not the guy we've seen, uh, throughout his minor league career, uh, I don't know, but we've not but we've not heard anything publicly, have we, about the injuries since the since the earlier one? No, we we really haven't. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, Amir is an incredibly, you know, competitive guy. Um, and so, you know, when you when you get guys like that, sometimes they'll they'll just play through things. And again, I, I like I said before, I don't want to speak for Amir Garrett, and I, I have no knowledge of whether he is injured or not. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, given everything that we do know about Amir Garrett, that that he he just wasn't healthy, but he was just pitching through it um, for for whatever reason. What about Cody Reed? You know, the Reds sent him down with really the admonition: go throw strikes. You've got to throw strikes, and he's averaging almost four walks a game in his last six starts. It looks like uh, his numbers aren't terrible, but he's walking guys still. He can't uh, gain command of that strike zone. What's going on there? Uh, it's it's really just consistency with him, to be honest. Um, you know, he'll I'll, I'll use Robert Stevenson as an example. Uh, in the in the past, you know, Stevenson would go a couple innings and he'd look really good, and then he'd just have that one inning where it just seemed he had no idea where the baseball was going. Uh, you're seeing a lot of that with Cody Reed right now. Um, you know, he he's still working on you know new mechanics. Um, you know, something he's been working on all year, and I I just don't think that he's completely comfortable with them to you know go out there and give you that for six or seven innings every night or well every five nights I guess given that he's been starting but I I just think that it's a matter of you know giving him the time to learn the new mechanics and get uh, his body in tune with them um you know at you know he's got 3.59 ERA so it's not like he's getting crushed um he's just struggling with the strike zone and I, I really do think that it's just a matter of consistency in you know repeating his mechanics and finding that release point um and I, I do think that it will come with time. You know, I, I unfortunately I think that we all expected it to come sooner, given you know how well he pitched in 2016, especially before he got to the big leagues. Um, you know, he was a guy who controlled the strike zone quite well in the minor leagues, and um, you know even in the big leagues last year he threw strikes. It's just a lot of the times when he threw strikes, 
major leaguers were hitting it quite well. And, you know, we found out that it's probably because he was tipping pitches and they, they had an idea of what was coming. And that's what led to the changing of the mechanics this year um, is to try and make it not so obvious what he was about to throw. And, um, you know, it's it, it's unfortunately a process that's taken a little bit longer than I think a lot of people expected it to. Well, what about another guy who's had some major league time this year, made the opening day roster, Ricky Davis. This is a guy that came back from injury and just, uh, you know, I mean, I know he had 10 strikeouts and no walks in his last outing, but he gave up uh, nine hits and four runs in four and two-thirds. He's a guy that's really not done anything at all since he got back uh, from the disabled list. Uh, what are, you know? And, and, again, I want to caution. We're not giving up on any of these guys. All of them are way too young to pass judgment on just yet. But, uh, you know, just looking at the situation as it is now, what's uh, – where is Davis right now in the mix? Because it's been a it's been a rough year. I, I really don't think that he's truly in the mix, so to speak. Uh, even when he made the roster out of spring training, you know, if you really you know dived in and you if you would have tried to get honest opinions from people in the organization, I, I think that he would have been pretty far down on the the depth chart as far as starting pitchers go. He just had a good spring and he was throwing strikes, and unfortunately for the Reds, some of the other guys weren't. Um, you know, I, rookie Davis, I, I don't have him as one of the Reds' top 25 prospects right now. Um, I didn't have him there before the season started either. Um, you know, I, I one thing that he's dealt with this year, again, for the second straight year, is nagging injuries. He hasn't really been healthy even since he went on the disabled list earlier and came off. Uh, he, he's had little things here and there that pop up that he's able to pitch with, but he's not able to pitch effectively. Um, but even when he is healthy, I, I think that the big thing holding him back is he doesn't have that secondary pitch that he can put guys away with. Um, you know, he had 10 strikeouts and no walks in his last start, and uh, it, it probably was the best I've seen his his breaking ball um, since he since he joined the Reds. But there were a lot of them that weren't very good ones either. Um, when it was on, it was really on. It, it was it was a put away pitch. I mean, even against major leagues, I think it would have put some guys some guys away. But you know, half of them were not good. And that's kind of what you saw when he gave up all the runs as well is, uh, you know, when that pitch wasn't on and it, it wasn't quite a bit, you know, guys were hitting it. Uh, so I, I think that rookie Davis is, he's probably a future reliever for me. I, I think that the fastball play up well in the bullpen, uh, but he, he's definitely going to need to find a better secondary pitcher at the very least get more consistent with his breaking ball um, yeah. it, to, to, to have success in the major leagues. Well, you, just, you look at this group uh, and, and put Rookie in there just be, because he did have a good year. Uh, it looked good at times last year, and he did make the team out of spring training. But, but Rookie Davis, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett. And um, I believe all those guys were on the opening day roster. And none of those guys have been able to stick, but a guy that was in, started in A, Luis Castillo, who we've been high on as well, has been able to stick. Uh, did anybody see that coming? I guess if you thought if those are the five names, would you have said that Luis Castillo is the one guy that's going to uh, going to show he can pitch in the, on the, at the major league level this year? Um, that's a good question. Um, Maybe he's I, got he's got great stuff. Oh yeah, I mean definitely has great stuff. Um, what's what's been interesting about that is when he came over from the Marlins, the big thing was everybody's like, oh, his he's got a really good slider, but his changeup isn't is it, it's not very good. Well, now it's pretty much the exact opposite. Everybody's like, oh, my God, that changeup is awesome. Um, the, the slider kind of needs some work. It's, it's not very consistent. And I, I think that what you've seen that in the big leagues as well. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting development to kind of see where Luis Castillo has gone over the past, you know, six months. 
Um, you talk about I, the sli- I, quickly. You talk about the slider and his changeup, but his average fastball is the fastest in the big, of any big league starter right now. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's be fair. He he averages what I think it's ninety seven point eight miles per hour with his fastball. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that's that's not bad. But yeah, I, I think that we, we we all knew that going in. We we knew that he was a guy who pretty much sat ninety six to one hundred miles per hour. Um, I, I think that the the big reason he's had more success than the other guys is, you know, generally speaking. He, he can throw strikes with his fastball when he wants to. Um, and the, the other guys aren't quite there yet. Uh, so when he when he does fall behind a hitter, um, you know his fastball is generally good enough that he can throw it in the zone and not have it crushed uh, because he is throwing it harder than, well, any other starter in baseball. And while velocity isn't everything, it's a lot of something. You know, if he were throwing that pitch at 92 miles an hour, uh, I have a feeling that they'd hit it a lot better than they do. Well, what's Casillo's ceiling? Uh, honestly, I, I think that he's got a number one ceiling. I, I really do. Um, as, as I said, when he came over, everybody had said that, you know, he's got a potentially plus slider. Well, now everybody's saying he does have a plus change up. And obviously at 96 to 100 miles per hour, that fastball is plus as well. So we're talking about a guy who potentially has three plus pitches. And as we've seen in the minor leagues, you know, he didn't walk guys. Now he is walking more guys in the major leagues right now than he has in the past uh, at the minor league level. But you know, we, we've seen him be able to pound the strike zone um, in the past, so I, I really do think that he could be a guy who could lead the top of a rotation for a for a good quality team. He's not there yet, but you know, you don't have to squint too hard to see it. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I, I said it uh, earlier today at Red Leg Nation. There's, I've seen nothing from him on the major league level this year that makes me think that he, this guy is anything but the brightest future imaginable. I mean, he's just he's mature. He obviously he's got the great stuff, uh, but uh, he's not let that jump to the big leagues phase him as much as some of these other younger guys. And it, not that it's been an easy transition. You're right; he's walking more guys than he did in the minor leagues. I mean, there's there are there are going to be growing pains, but uh, but I don't know. He just uh, uh, nothing but good things to say about Luis Castillo. So he may end up being the 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 gym. Of the bunch, you know, when we all expected it, it might be number one uh, draft pick Robert Stevenson or, or Cody Reed at one time looked like the maybe the best uh, the best starter in the Reds uh, minor league system, and of course Mir Garrett started the season so well. It may end up being Luis Castillo, but uh, that's not saying the other guys uh, aren't going to make it. But wow, Castillo! One other guy. One other pitcher I want to talk about, and I know a lot of people are asking you uh, about this guy, Doug. And that is uh, Tyler Molly. Uh, my goodness, Tyler Molly. This guy just, he, he we, we talk about stuff. He doesn't have the stuff Luis Castillo has, but he had just gets people out at every single level. Uh, is, it, is it time to, uh, to give him a taste of the big leagues? <laughs> you know, I actually wrote about that this morning, Chad, uh, whether, you know, the Reds should or should not call him up in September. Um, it, it, I, I can make the argument for both sides and, and feel confident that either way you're making the right decision. Um, if if the Reds do decide to call him up, you know the guy's earned it. Uh, he's got a 1.97 ERA this year between Double A AA and Triple A. Um, he's not walking anybody. Um, you know, right now his walk rate is up a little bit in Triple A, but he's got 12 walks and 47 innings, so it's not like he's walking a lot of guys. Um, now, on the flip side, you know, if, even after his start last night, his pitching coach in, in AAA, Jeff Facero, you know, told the media that, you know, 
his off-speed stuff right now is it it may be a little bit below average. Um, you know, but he he's so good with his fastball location and all of the ways that he can manipulate the fastball that he can still get guys out despite that. Um, and, and that that's kind of been the thing that I've seen with him over the years too. Is um, you know, I don't want to say he's overly reliant on his fastball like a guy like Tony Singrani is and was, um, but you know he'll he'll throw his fastball more than most starting pitchers will. Um, now, fortunately for him, he can throw it pretty much wherever he wants on most nights, so uh, he can get away with it a lot more than other guys can. Um, but I, I think that if the Reds decided to not call him up in September, that that would be a very good argument as to why. Um, you know, he, he he still does have things to work on, despite the fact that he's able to dominate minor league hitters right now. You know, one thing we said said about Robert Stevenson is, yes, he has all the stuff in the world. And, and I guess you can say the same thing about uh, Cody Reed and Amir Garrett. But at some point, results start to matter. You, you've got to perform. Molly is younger than all those guys. He's still just 22 years old. But everywhere he goes, he performs. Uh, and and so uh, you, you can sort of see him leapfrogging guys where he, you know his name wasn't even in the conversation with, with those. But because of his performance, he may not be ready for the big leagues, you're right. But because of his performance, he's, he's really leapt into the forefront, I think, of Red's uh, prospect. Where do you have him on your uh, prospect list, Doug? Um, I honestly, I, I'd have to go back and look. So, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, but I, I mean, he wasn't right yeah. up the top, was he? I mean, no, no, he definitely was not. And to be fair, you know, guys like Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, Amir Garrett—they're—they're not even eligible for prospect lists anymore. Right. Um, so I actually had Tyler ranked seventh. Okay. Uh, in the system, I mean, ahead of a guy like you know Taylor Trammell, you know the Reds are very deep. So be- being seventh in the Red system, it, yeah. it's not anything. Like I, I think that Tyler Molly's a top 100 prospect in all of minor league baseball. So being ranked seventh isn't me not being high on him. I, I think he can be a very good starting pitcher. Um, it's just the Reds have a lot of depth right now in their system. No, I actually thought you might have had him lower. I think that's yeah. I mean oh. that's um, so 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 credit credit to you for that one. Uh, he's because he seems like a guy that. I mean, we'd heard of him, and certainly you've heard of him, but the, us more casual fans of the minor leagues had heard of him. He's just kind of he, yeah, he's, he he's kind of been be- yeah, he's been behind the other guys because uh, I mean, you know, while I said earlier, you know, velocity is not everything, but it is it's a lot of something. He doesn't throw as hard as most of those guys. Um, you know, generally speaking, he's going to throw eighty nine to ninety three miles per hour uh, with his fastball. Now, hit that fastball when it's eighty nine to ninety three miles per hour has incredible movement. Um, I mean, he can sink it. He can run it in on hitters. He can run it across the zone. I mean, he can he can do a lot of things with that fastball that other guys can't do. So don't don't just think, oh well, you know that's an average fastball. Even at that, even at the, you know eighty nine to ninety two, ninety three, uh, that that's an above average to plus fastball because of how much he can move it and you know locate it where he wants it. Um, and that's not to say that he doesn't throw hard either, because you know like a guy like Homer Bailey, as the game progresses, he picks up velocity. Um, you know, sometimes he'll be throwing, you know, 90 to 93 in the first couple of innings. And then, you know, the sixth inning rolls around and all of a sudden, you know, he's 93, 94, 97. Um, you know, he doesn't hit 97 too often, but it's there when he really wants it to be. Um, if, if, if he thinks that, you know, a guy's being a little bit aggressive on his fastball, I mean, he'll, he'll throw it right at the letters at 97 and the guy's going to swing and miss almost all of the time. I've seen him do it a lot this year. Um, and so he's definitely not a guy who's a soft tosser. Um, I, I think that he he knows how to pitch better than most people his age do, and um, again, I, I I don't think that it would be a bad call for the Reds to bring him up in September. Um, one, it would give Tyler an idea of what he needs to work on for next season. 
Um, if he if he does have some struggles, and maybe he wouldn't, maybe he won't have struggles, um, which would be great. That would be great for the Reds. It'd be great for him. Um, it, it'd just be great for everybody involved. But if he did have struggles, you know, maybe it would give him something to, you know, understand. Hey, I need to work on this for spring training because realistically, he should head into spring training if you're gunning for a job in the in the starting rotation. Uh, you know, he'll have plenty of AAA time under his belt. He'll have great numbers. And let's be real, unless the Reds go out and sign several starting pitchers on the free agent market, there should be at least two or three spots wide open for the taking in spring training. And while I don't like giving out jobs in spring training, I, I'm not really sure that there's a better answer given the amount of guys that they've all got gunning for two or three spots. Sure. You know, Molly is a guy, the word I think is, is relentless. He's a you know, seventh-round pick. Uh, he, you know, has not been as highly touted as some of these other guys. And it's like he just uh, says, I, I'm going to keep getting guys out. And eventually you can't ignore me. And you're right. He's absolutely in the mix for the starting rotation next year. And that's why I think it would behoove the Reds to bring him up this year in September. Not just because I want to see the guy pitch uh, in a Reds uniform, uh, see a guy that actually has some clue about how to pitch. Um, I, I, I want to see what the what the hype's about with this guy. But because, yes, you can find out a little bit more about what he needs to do, about where his weaknesses might be, um, by giving him a, a little bit of an opportunity to face big league hitters. And so uh, if the Reds are still holding out hope that they can be uh, competitive in some fashion next year, I think they've got to bring him up just to let him get his feet wet, just to let him see what the big leagues are like and uh, and get a little bit more information, as you say, on what he needs to work on coming into spring training because uh, – because he'll be a 23-year-old next year that, you're right, by all rights, should be right there in the mix of uh, being able to win a spot in the rotation. So I hope they bring him up just because I want to see him. Now, that's going to require putting him on the 40-man roster, and, and that's what everyone always says. Well, he's not on a 40-man. they got to do something. Ah, whatever. You can find a spot on the 40-man for a guy like yeah. this. And, and you know, he they have to add him in the offseason anyways. So they're not going to be using up any sort right. of option by bringing him up early because they're not going to send him down in September because, yeah, well, that would be absolutely insane and crazy. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're not going to do that. The only thing is, is you're going to you will start his clock a little bit sooner. So in theory, if you did want to hold him down for, you know, I guess to get that extra year that we always hear about, that extra year of control by holding somebody down for the first two weeks of the season, you'd have to hold him down until mid-May next year to get that. Um Generally speaking, you don't worry about that so much with pitchers as you do with position players because um, the you know pitcher pitchers get hurt. They they miss time anyways. And whether we want it to be that way or not, it, it's just the reality of the situation. So I, I think that teams do worry about that a lot less with pitchers than they do with hitters. Um, but I I think that that is one factor that they need to worry about um, or not worry about so much. But you know just at least put it into the 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 math I guess. Yeah, it's as in the mix. To, yeah. Um, whether whether to call them up or not. I think one of the other big things is, is are there going to be innings? Let's let's take a guy like Amir Garrett. He's out of options next year. He absolutely has to stick on the roster next season. Um, is it more important for the Reds to give him a few starts if they if they happen to be there and be available, um, given that he has to be on the major league club next year, um, or you know if there's not a spot open in the rotation? Is it better to give Amir Garrett those innings out of the bullpen than you know to give Tyler, you know, five innings or six innings in in September just to kind of get his feet wet, um, but realistically have him you know basically just there to you know take in the experience and you know understand what it's like to be in the big leagues. Uh, you know, I I don't really have that answer, um, but I I think that you can make the argument that it's much more important for the Reds to get those innings to a guy like Amir Garrett um, than it is to get you know Tyler Molly those kind of innings. 
uh, given the, the situations in both of their careers. It's going to be interesting to see what happens the next uh, couple of months, and Molly's a name that's on everyone's lip, lips. I look forward to uh, seeing whether or not they do bring him up. Now, Doug, you follow the Reds minor leagues more than uh, probably anyone outside of the Reds themselves, uh, Reds system, the Reds franchise organization. Are there any storylines that have surprised you this year or any, uh, any, any topics regarding the minor leagues that, uh, that you want to highlight here before we wrap things up? Um, I'm not necessarily, there's a, there's a specific storyline, but one of the guys that we didn't talk about that, I mean, I just continue to be impressed by that. I, I feel like I should bring up is Taylor Trammell, uh, you know, outfielder playing in Dayton right now. Um, he was the, the second pick the Reds took last year behind Nick Senzel. Um, he was a compensation round, uh, first round pick. Um, I mean, he is just, he's so impressive and he just keeps getting better and better. You know, he started out pretty slow this year in April, uh, and he, he's hit incredibly well since then. Um, you know, him and Jose Siri, are, they're both in the Dayton outfield, and I, it's incredible to watch these guys go out. And I mean, they, they have to catch almost everything that's hit out there. They, they really do. I, I'm not exaggerating. It, it, it's incredible to watch both of them out there. Um, you know, the only thing holding Tramel back as far as tools go is his arm is a little bit below average right now. Um, that That's kind of been the knock on him since he was drafted. But I mean, that guy can hit. He understands what's going on in the strike zone. You know, he's got a 362 on base percentage right now in Dayton. He's got 55 walks already this year. And I mean, we're talking about a young 19-year-old kid. Um, you know, that that's a lot of walks for a kid and uh, who, who's still a teenager. Um, yeah, that's the point but, I was going to make is that you talk about him and Siri in the same outfield, and uh, certainly his understanding of the strike zone is more is more advanced than Siri's. And they're three years apart in age, 19 years old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're you're not wrong to want to highlight him at every opportunity, Doug. Yeah, no, I I I cannot praise the game that he's got enough. Um, you know, he's got 31 steals on the year, plenty of speed. Uh, he, he's got nine home runs right now, which um, you know, even if he were to finish the season with nine home runs for a teenager in that league, that's pretty good. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, Chad, when he hits the ball, it carries more than you think it will when he makes contact. Um, uh, he's he's going to grow into some real power in the future, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to hit 30 home runs in the future, but I feel very confident he's going to hit at least 20. Um, and, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that could play center field as well. Now, whether he gets the chance to or not, who knows, because uh, I think that if push came to shove, if Jose Siri is also developing at the same pace, that they, they'd stick, you know, Jose Siri in center field just because his arm plays better there and Tremels doesn't play quite as well. You can put him in left field. Um, but, you know, th- this is a guy who, I mean, every part of his game is – it's really, really advanced for his age. And, you know, even if he were two years older, what he's doing right now would be quite impressive. So, um, yeah, just that's just another another name to throw out there for everybody if uh, they, they aren't as in-depth to following things as I am. Um, definitely keep an eye on him um, over, over the next two to three years. Um, you know, probably going to be that long before he reaches the major leagues. But a very, very exciting prospect in Taylor Trammell. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I could not agree more. Uh Doug, you know, always appreciate you coming on. You can follow Doug every single day at RedsMinorLeagues.com and uh, follow him on Twitter at DougDirt24. Is that right? Did I get that right? That is correct. Oh, man, you can't stop me. Uh, I'm at Dotson C. You can follow uh, Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. And, of course, we're at RedLegNation.com every single day writing about these Cincinnati Reds who uh, aren't always as exciting to talk about as some of these 
some of these minor league guys that look to have really big futures. It's an interesting system right now for the Reds. Uh, if you if you haven't already, please go over to iTunes or uh, Stitcher or wherever you subscribe to can subscribe to podcasts and subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio, and uh, and leave us a rating or a review. That always helps uh, other listeners find us. Also, tell your friends. Uh, as I say, if you like us, uh, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Doug, man, it's always fun uh, talking minor leagues with you, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, Chad. I appreciate it, and I can't wait till the next time. Yeah, well, we're going to do it again very, very soon. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.